This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. Hello and welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm your host, Jamie DiPolo, Senior Editor at BreastCancer.org. We're podcasting live from the European Society for Medical Oncology 2019 Congress in Barcelona, Spain. My guest is Dr. Dennis Slayman, Professor of Medicine and Executive Vice Chair for Research for the UCLA Department of Medicine. He also serves as Director of Clinical and Translational Research and Director of the Revlon UCLA Women's Cancer Center Research Program at the Johnson Comprehensive Cancer Center at UCLA. He is probably best known for doing the laboratory and clinical research that led to the development of Herceptin, the first medicine to specifically treat HER2-positive breast cancer. Dr. Slayman has won numerous awards for his research. Earlier this month, he received the 2019 Lasker Award for clinical medical research for his groundbreaking work on Herceptin. At this conference, he presented overall survival results from the Mona Lisa 3 study, looking at using Cascali plus Vasladex to treat advanced stage hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer in postmenopausal women. Dr. Slayman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So can you give us a brief summary of the Mona Lisa 3 study, just in case anybody isn't familiar? The Mona Lisa 3 trial was designed to look at a CDK4-6 inhibitor, in this case ribocyclob, in combination with hormonal therapy, a very effective hormonal therapy, fulvestrin, versus fulvestrin plus a placebo, to ask a couple of questions. One would be, uh, what was the progression-free survival and now the overall survival? Uh, but also whether or not this combination would be particularly effective if it was given in the first line versus what we see in the second line. It was clear from earlier data that the drug was approved based on its improvement in progression-free survival, but the hardest endpoint and the most important to reach for patients is overall survival. And so uh, we are presenting among the first data in this setting on overall survival. And that is what, what the Mona Lisa trial was designed to look at. And it was you touched on this, but this was unique because this was the first treatment for the advanced stage disease. And, and that was kind of unique. And can you talk about that a little bit? Why did you decide to do it that way? It was an important question to ask and answer because there's been a, an ongoing debate in, in a lot of areas that held that Perhaps we should save these CDK4-6 inhibitors until the second line, since there are a number of different hormonal therapies that if a patient were to have a recurrence after receiving their initial therapy, um, that it might be right to just treat with another hormonal therapy and get the benefit of that and then add the CDK4-6 inhibitor in the second line uh, in metastatic disease. What Mona Lisa 3 looked at was it, it compared a large number of patients, essentially half of the patient population studied, were in the first line and addressed that question, would would there be a better survival advantage if the combination were used right up front in metastatic disease? And the answer is unequivocally yes. There's a highly statistically significant difference, but more importantly, it's a clinically meaningful uh, difference. Um, We know that the median Overall survival hasn't even been reached yet in the whole population. So uh, the true magnitude is yet to be seen, but it's clear that it's a significant benefit that uh, will, will be meaningful for patients. 
Can you talk a little bit about the overall survival results? What what were the differences? There's about a it's a 28% relative risk reduction uh, at this point, but again, we need to follow the trial further because the median has not yet even been reached in the combination arm for overall survival, whereas it has been reached in the control arm. Okay, and what was the follow-up time? How much time are we talking? We're now at about 40, 40 months follow-up, and uh, there'll be a third analysis that'll be done. Uh, these are all event-driven analyses. So when a certain number of events have occurred, we then look at the data and see what the difference is. Uh, at the first uh, analysis, there was a trend, but there wasn't a statistically significant difference. The second analysis, which we're reporting now, has shown this big difference and it's already crossed the boundary indicating that uh, this can only get bigger, it will be the same or bigger, likely to get bigger. And so we'll see when we do the third analysis. But all the data show that there's this clinically meaningful impact and something that's significant. Now what about side effects? Did you see any different, more? within this? So the, the class side effects of the CDK4-6 inhibitors is bone marrow neutropenia um, and that's been known since the drugs have been introduced. It's a different kind of neutropenia than you see with chemotherapy in the sense that the white counts in general do not go down as low as you see with chemotherapy nor do they stay down as long. They, re they recover much more quickly. And that's because the drugs are not cytotoxic. They don't kill cells. They're cytostatic. They, for the normal cells, they stop their growth. And when the patient goes off for the one week on the treatment cycle, they have three weeks of drug, one week off, the bone marrow recovers quite quickly. There does, there's no need so far for growth factors or anything like that. Uh, it's just the normal marrow that's recovering quite quickly. So in that sense, that is, a side effect that we, we know about with the class. Um, both palbocyclib and ribocyclib have that effect more than abemocyclib. Abemocyclib has less of the neutropenia, but abemocyclib has more GI toxicity, in particular diarrhea. Uh, we also watch for pneumonitis, which is an inflammation in the lung. Uh, in Japan, there have been some reported cases of severe pneumonitis, but in the Mona Lisa trial, we did not see anything above a grade one, two pneumonitis. Um, there is occasionally uh, liver dysfunction. Uh, again, uh, nothing that indicates a true hepatitis, just an abnormality in the liver enzymes that again recovers when the drug is held for a brief period of time. And finally, there with ribocyclo, there appears to be an electrocardiogram, as Dr. Sled said this morning, sort of a paper uh, observation that hasn't resulted in any significant problems with regards to uh, impact on the patient, but it's something we've watched for very closely. Okay, and you mentioned the lung inflammation. The FDA just put out or asked the companies to put the extra warning on the labeling about lung inflammation with the CDK46 inhibitors, yes. but it sounds like you did not see a lot of that. It's very we, rare. We did not with the Mona Lisa trial. I think the the alarm bell went off when they saw it with the memocyclob in, in the Japanese study. There may be something unique about the Asian population, but we don't know that yet. It still needs to be studied further. Uh, however, when we, because of that finding, the agencies, both the FDA and I think the EMA, have asked that people look at all the data 
and Mona Lisa has been looked at carefully, and there's nothing that's beyond a grade one, two, uh, either lung respiratory issue or pneumonitis. None of them have gone on to any kind of severe problem. Excellent. That's good to hear. And finally, to wrap up, what do these results mean for people who are diagnosed with advanced stage hormone receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer? Is this practice changing? I mean, I know it's talked about in the second line. Do you think it's going to become the standard of care? So you've asked the essential question. The whole reason why right. the three uh, is, I think, a, a study that's being looked at. It's the first study that shows that um, this should be the new standard of care in the first line setting of metastatic disease. If the differences were clinically significant, or rather statistically significant, but not clinically meaningful, you could make the debate that, yeah, the numbers improve some, but it's not a big improvement. We've seen a big improvement. So I think there's no longer a question of whether or not we should hold these drugs. And for women who have metastatic disease, that is hormone receptor positive and, and HER2 negative, this drug should be used in combination right up front. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome.